What exactly do you think is the inspiration for this kind of heavenly music? Do you really think that everything that exists in the universe just happened by chance? Welcome to episode 1 of Human Potholes. Today for episode 1 we're going to be discussing God. The Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the creator. And this is by design, yeah, I guess you can say even intelligent design, that I'm choosing God as a topic for the first topic that we should talk about. Because I think that your view on God has reverberating effects through everything that you do, your actions, your morality, everything about your person, your psychology, and the way that you regard yourself, your relation to the world, and your ego. You know, the way that you end up making those decisions that you do in your life. And uh, the fact that everybody, every single person, no matter how simple or sophisticated you think you are in your thought process, you have to, if you're using logic correctly, if you're using what was given to you correctly, then you're going to come up on this question either way. So here we go. I think that having a passion for truth by way of logos uh, inevitably leads you to God and the question of God. What I'm trying to say is that the idea of God and a creator is reconcilable with logic and maybe even yet to be discovered science. If you're an honest truth seeker, you probably stumbled upon the concepts of dualism, which is represented by something like yin and yang which is apparent and coded into the fabric of our reality in this world, I think. If you simplify the problem and really peel away the layers and try to get to the core of the issue, like the real, sim most simplified core of the issue, it becomes about dualism, you know, like, like binary code, zero and one. You can create complexity and ridiculous things from just that. Um, there's... A need for contrast there's a purpose versus purposelessness in the universe it's basically it comes down to that meaning versus no meaning god versus nihilism spiritualism versus materialism i think our concept of god is really limited by our ability to perceive greatness beauty and endless love so what i'm saying is our concept of God is limited by our subjective ability to perceive objectivity. My current position and idea of God is the following. I actually think that panpsychism is close, and panpsychism is basically um, saying that all is mind, and I actually think that all is consciousness, which is not the same thing as mind mind and consciousness are not necessarily the same thing so like the question of if a tree falls in the woods does anybody hear it i think that has an answer and the answer is in so much as the squirrels and the bugs and anything that can feel vibrations and perceive them consciously as much consciousness as that can be quantified as that that's the answer and god could possibly be like the amalgamation that of every single 
organism and consciousness that has ever existed but like transcending time so everything what i'm basically saying is that god probably thinks that the only thing that's actually worth anything or has value is consciousness and that's what would be saved so to speak but even if mind and consciousness are different i think really if you're going to make an argument about that you're just arguing about words you know um language semantics which uh it's not really always conducive to finding the objective truth you know like i said in episode zero we gotta deal with ideas not necessarily language and we have to find some middle ground to get past that because we can't really escape it it's basically a difference in thinking about objectivity and subjectivity i think panpsychism is more reliant on the subject and if you say like pan consciousness or whatever um that kind of relies on the existence of some objective truth that we can't really perceive with our senses that we were given but if these senses were given by god then maybe all there is is subjectivity and panpsychism is right but i for some reason i believe that there is some objective truth that we don't really have senses to perceive necessarily and maybe we do have the senses and we have everything to perceive the objective truth within our body our god-given body right but there throughout history there's just so many few people that are so dedicated to their search for truth somebody like the buddha if you read his story for me it's inspiring because that guy was absolutely dedicated to his search for truth and maybe we do have all the tools that we need we just are not always willing to explore that deeply because the farther i get in my own journey in my own spiritual journey i am so amazed by the wisdom that god has you know and embedded in his creation it's really actually amazing and ridiculous and i'm amazed every single time that i discover something new like that maybe the day you die you find out really you can be objective when you are out of your body out of your physical body and have extrasensory experience if it exists or if you believe in that so in physics the law of thermodynamics states that matter cannot be created or destroyed law of conservation and um i really think that god would think that consciousness is more valuable than matter you know and if matter is not destroyed then what do you think happens to your consciousness is matter a product of consciousness or is consciousness a product of matter is basically the question and i really think that matter is the product of consciousness and it's the the point of the whole thing the of, of reality is to create this consciousness and everything around it is basically made for it so maybe god can be actually defined as consciousness and everything that exists is for that purpose this is also why i think it's important to develop yourself as an individual because if you are just part of the herd and don't differentiate yourself in some way then what is the point of your existence if you never develop your consciousness to a certain point at least
you're basically like an NPC in a video game or a program that's just pre-written and can be predicted by humans, much less something like an abstract concept like God. The thing about individualism is that there is wise kinds of individualism and unwise kinds of individualism. And many times what you see in today's society is that both of these kinds are put together on the same level. When really only the people awake enough to see the value of virtue can tell the difference. I think if you're an honest truth-seeking person, you should not let where you were born geographically or any of the circumstances of your birth decide your beliefs. You should uh, read about the source of all the religions and look for positive patterns and similarities between them. And maybe eventually you realize that it's possible that most religions are talking about one and the same God. But I also don't think that religion is the only path to find God. I think if you're looking for ultimate truth and you delve deeply into any subject, whether it be music, mathematics, chemistry, biology, microbiology, astronomy, physics, or quantum physics as some examples, then perhaps you encounter the same questions that would ultimately open your mind up to the possibility that there's intelligent design and therefore an intelligent creator behind all of it. This section is directed specifically at individuals that would describe themselves as scientific materialists. And uh, even if you're not, I think it's something really important to talk about. We're going to talk a little bit about science. Is any time that I see somebody that considers himself an intellectual and tries to refute the idea of God, they cite science in some way, and I don't think it's necessarily right. They're not looking in the right places. Because materialists don't really believe in anything they can't perceive or see with their senses. But every day you use and take for granted things that you can't really see or perceive. Things like Wi-Fi and cell phone signals. And all these are explainable through science, you know, frequencies and whatever, but to someone that doesn't understand physics or anything about frequencies, then it seems like sorcery. We're just going to touch on this because I want to keep this project somewhat organized. I think in a later episode, we're going to discuss science more in depth, but today we're only going to touch on a few topics, mainly just quantum mechanics. And I know it sounds difficult and intimidating. And if you ask uh, somebody that studies quantum mechanics, they'll probably tell you that it is. But if you're not really scientifically minded, you only have to know the interpretation, really, what it means. And if you are scientifically minded, then I urge you to please uh, research this topic. I specifically wanted to talk about the double slit experiment, um, which I think helps us understand duality, uh, wave-particle duality, the, you know, the duality of matter. I think this experiment has large-scale implications about the nature of consciousness and really the role of the observer in reality, because it's funny, but the results of the actual experiment change if you place a measurement device in between where the particles are shooting to the double slits and this can't really be explained. It's like somehow the matter is conscious and it actually knows ahead of time or before even that you're gonna measure it 
and it behaves in a way that is predictable to you. So now let's attempt to explain the actual experiment. So picture this, you have a particle gun that's capable of shooting many electrons, which are just subatomic particles of matter, and one electron at a time also, and you have one slit. And behind the slit is some sort of like film that records where exactly this electron that's being shot out of this gun hits. So when you have one slit, it goes straight, right? And you would get the exact line on the film, just one slit. And when you have two slits, the strange thing is that all of a sudden these subatomic particles, you know, electrons are displaying the same pattern that a wave would display, which doesn't make sense if you're talking about matter. This is actually really baffling. It doesn't it doesn't make sense at all. How would a matter behave like a wave? You get an interference pattern and it's the behavior that you would expect if we're talking about matter is that if you have one slit, you would just get one line because these particles are shooting randomly, so they shoot along the length of the line, right? And if you have two lines, what you would expect, if you're talking about matter, is two lines, right? But that's not what happens. And uh, an interference pattern is like when you drop two rocks at the same time at arm's length in a body of water, like a pool or a pond. And the way the waves meet, you know, they have peaks. And that's the interference pattern that you end up seeing on the film with particles and this is ridiculous because you even just shooting them one at a time creates this pattern when shooting many particles at a time when many electrons at a time what they thought was happening was that they were interfering with each other so what they try to do next the scientists is shoot one particle at a time and what they found is that they still got the same exact result so it has nothing to interfere with but itself this electron and Maybe that just has larger implications about our universe, I think, because the electron before it goes through the two slits has interferes with its own potential or something. I don't really fully understand this, and neither do the scientists that did this experiment. And this is, this is not even the baffling thing about it. The baffling thing about it is that when you add an observer or a measurement device then the experiment actually changes it no longer behaves like a wave you get what you would expect to get which is the two lines so basically they put a measuring device in between and actually try to figure out which slit each um, electron went through and figure out its path you know and they did but nobody actually expected the results that we got because the observer in the act of actually measuring changed the particle's behavior. So if you actually try to observe how matter interferes with itself, or what, what happens in between that makes or could make matter behave in a way like a wave, then all of a sudden it doesn't. So what does that mean? Looking at these results through the lens of science kind of leaves you stumped. Um, you don't really know how to interpret this, but I think looking at it through a philosophical angle, you can kind of understand that there's implications being made here about the nature of the observer, the nature of reality, 
um, what effect do you have on the potentiality of things? And is what's what's the point of reality? Like, why is it changed? How can somebody? How can matters behavior be changed by somebody observing it? One thing that I think is definitely true is that this particular experiment in quantum physics refutes the concept of a purely deterministic materialistic world. If you still think this after researching this topic in depth, I won't laugh at you. But the electrons that change their behavior when you introduce consciousness into the equation certainly might. I think the easy answer to this question is God, but feel free to interpret this experiment however you want. I would say that I'm an extreme pragmatist, meaning that it's survival of the fittest basically when it comes to ideas and philosophical topics. You use uh, what is practical and what is successful, basically like the scientific method but in uh, philosophy to define your beliefs. But the thing about using something that resembles the scientific method when it comes to philosophy is that you just have to accept the inherent unknowability of some things and yeah some things will require faith some things will require things that you can't really prove but maybe that's just a sign of you wanting to know why things exist instead of how because science really is a way for people to measure and know how things happen but i think philosophy really the point of it is to explain why and it's just inherent to it that we're not always going to have the answer and we're going to have to make speculations and you're going to have to make bets in a certain way. But even though I'm extremely skeptical of everything, I think being skeptical and being a pragmatist is a means to an end because I still think at the end of the day that being in the middle of the road is the worst place to be, obviously. You have to decide upon your beliefs if you're going to move forward in your life in a meaningful way. I think objective knowledge should be like a marble statue that just keeps getting chiseled constantly by way of knowledge and questioning your own beliefs until the day you die. So basically your knowledge and your worldview should be ever-evolving. And it should be a statue that you always want to chisel into a more perfect version of itself, if that makes sense. So you have to accept this statue that you are chiseling your whole life which, as a representation of the objective truth as imperfect. And if you do this, then you, I think you become less afraid of accepting that it's okay to believe things that require faith. You, you can make a leap, and it's fine. You might even say necessary. I'm going to use an analogy to describe intelligent design, and this comes to us from an unlikely source, which is video games. <laughs> um, so if you can think of God as a coder or a grand architect, if you understand anything about coding, it's just basically like a set of rules. And the thing about video games is that video games are kind of an illusion. Like, they're made up of... A bunch of different puzzle pieces that are made to give you an illusion of an experience you know like a whole so every little thing that's in the game down to the 
every single graphical asset that you see, every single story, every single concept was conceptualized by somebody. Just look at the credits. If you're playing like an open world game or you think about just any game in general and you see anything that is put there, it was put there on purpose. Somebody had to go and work on that picture that you're seeing, every single piece of it. And they had to work on the sound. They had to work on all of the rules that make the game behave exactly how it's behaving. If, if to those people that play video games, when you activate no clip mode, they also call it God mode. You're not subject to the rules. You're just floating around and it's like you can do some crazy stuff. The funny thing is that even God mode had to be coded though. And the real God mode is probably being the coder that's writing the rules for this video game. Which is basically just some kind of simulation that's meant to give us a sense of some world inside of a screen that somehow relates and interfaces with our actual reality. But anyway, I think this is a good analogy to understand that much like a video game, everything is that you see in the universe is put there, and not necessarily put there by God himself, but the rules that make it up are definitely put there by something. How do I know this? Why do I think this? Because I think it's just, if you just believe in a purely probabilistic universe, right? When I say probabilistic, I mean in terms of our inception, in terms of creation, uh, basically a godless world. Because I know the universe is probabilistic in certain ways. If you believe that all that exists is just what you can see in the material world, it's uh, absolutely ab absurd. It's just absurd like to stack such unlikeliness on top of such unlikeliness on top of such unlikeliness. If you think of percentages, it just gets so infinitesimally small that you have to consider other solutions, other, other, other philosophies, other than just everything is random and nothing has purpose. If you're going to be a materialist and are going to believe in this probabilistic model of the universe, then at least... I think you should be really educated in mathematics and statistics, at least have like a, some really deep, almost religious adherence to statistics and focus on that because otherwise you're just kind of speculating the same way that anybody else would be, even like religious people that have never lost their religion and let's say like their religion was the same one that they were born into because of where they were born geographically it's no different except the takeaway from your speculations is just a really pessimistic dark attitude which is not really helping anybody and most of the time i think that these people that believe in this model of the universe the probabilistic model of the universe um many times it's just can be explained by psychology like, you want to justify your life choices, which are, you have to be examined deeper if you really examine your beliefs. Because if you start considering the possibility that God exists, then all of a sudden your world is turned upside down because maybe you didn't live with morals. You didn't really consider morals. You didn't really evolve that part of yourself that considers the possibility that we do have a creator and that 
morality is something that he values and you have been completely blind to it and you just want to basically justify your choices i can respect somebody that has this probabilistic view of the universe and if they actually are looking in the right places which is not necessarily philosophy if you're going to study the material world then maybe you should study um numbers i think you should study statistics you should study probabilities Maybe even I would say science if you're more concerned with how things happen rather than why. But if you want to know why things happen, then there's definitely a better path than philosophy. Because if you believe in this model of the universe where everything is probability, then there's nothing else to look for. You're basically just stuck. And there is no evolution happening, no receptivity to new philosophies or ideas that's what i see anyway from some people and i'm hoping that their minds can be changed imagine you're driving on the freeway looking for objective truth and then you miss your exit so all that time that you've been driving all this philosophy that you've been learning and trying to evolve is just wrong because you missed your exit you took a wrong turn I think when this happens, it becomes a question of ego, and you know, many of these people are maybe too embarrassed to turn back, too committed to it. But if you're honestly looking for objective truth, you should understand right away that you have to set your ego aside. It's, it's not compatible. If the materialistic, probabilistic model of the universe seems soulless, that's because it is. How likely is it that the math would work out exactly perfectly that the sun it's exactly the, the distance that wouldn't burn us up. If you were to change one little thing about the way a water molecule is held together, the specific temperature that it melts, freezes, and boils at, all the physical rules that make them interact exactly the way they do, and poof, you're gone. You wouldn't even exist. And this argument can be extended to anything. Gravity, you know, all the rules of the universe that hold us in place from just floating off blowing up or just being instantly vaporized or destroyed in some way it's just kind of silly to think that that's just all chance i really think that in a purely probabilistic universe you wouldn't be listening to this you wouldn't be you wouldn't exist it's just so many things trying to kill you in a probabilistic universe that the likelihood that you would even be alive to listen to this is just almost impossible according to these people that believe in a probabilistic universe they're basically saying that if you take just a, a soup of chemicals and heat and whatever and add a little bit of sugar and spice and given enough time even eons you would get the situation that you're in right now which is which is kind of a silly argument i think like it's kind of unexplored it's something that is sold to you maybe for purposes that are not necessarily so clear but i think to discuss god i you also have to discuss the problem of evil which we'll discuss shortly and ties back nicely to the idea of dualism that we were discussing earlier but this probabilistic view of the universe is explainable i think it comes from a place of materialism where people just are for some reason or other which i think has to do with the contrast that i was talking about basically evil um if you render it down 
for some reason these people feel like they have some stake in misleading people about the nature of reality and how they would just want to make you think that the world is just based on material things and and consumerism I guess I maybe it ties into that the same people that want you to consume 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 want you to think that there's nothing more but before we discuss evil we're gonna keep discussing God God is uh, in many ways winking at us trying to give us hints of uh, the things that I've been discussing because duality is kind of observable I think good and evil light and dark male and female the sun and the moon objective and subjective life and death there's this inherent need coded into the fabric of our reality for contrast can you have life without death can you have good without evil it's uh I think there's a lesson to be learned from these things that are that can be learned if you observe nature which is what God himself made so if you if you're feeling a little bit lost in your life if you are seeking God maybe what you should do is hang out with his creations go literally go for a hike take action go to the forest or something that's why I think it has that effect going to the forest going communing with nature has that effect of because you're communing with God you're communing with things that God made and something that inspires nihilism in people I think is if you hang out in 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 just a man-made world of your own creation basically like you just put yourself in this box where you forget nature and you're dis you're disconnected from nature you're disconnected from the source right so let's talk about Jesus I think Eventually, I will have another podcast on Jesus because I just think that I can't really do him justice, even in just a historical, philosophical character. But I really believe in Jesus. And, and why do I believe in Jesus, you ask? Because I'm looking for motive. What is Jesus' motive? Read everything that he has said and, and get as close to his person like his his speech things that you would think that he said himself because there is regarding religion there is a lot of human touch and people make the mistake of judging the religion for its people but it's really you're judging the religion by its teacher its main teacher which is jesus you know if you're talking about christianity or catholicism or whatever so I consider Jesus like the perfect man. He's the maybe he's the summation of all men that have ever lived. But according to the Bible, he is God's son. Maybe God is duality, everything including good and evil, and Jesus is his son which he probably I'm thinking removed parts that he didn't like of himself. So he's basically like maybe even more of a perfect version of God that God designed himself from the wisdom and point of view of being absolutely complete and that state of being is so far away from being a human that we can't even fathom it 
the way that I understand it, maybe God is complete and Jesus is perfection. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes through the Father except through me. And this is kind of what I, what I, the sense that I get that, you know, Jesus is kind of a, like a, a, a version of God that God made himself for humans. What I'm saying is God wouldn't necessarily have done what Jesus did in the way that he did it. You know, the, ne the next time that Jesus um, reincarnates and comes back, it's it's going to be guns blazing because there's no point in making the sacrifice that he made for us again. I think it's very likely that Jesus came here to really save save us, basically, because we are all sinners. And um, this is something that I identify with because we're all imperfect. We're all created in this world of good and evil, and it's unavoidable that some of us will dive into the like, darker aspects of reality when it's available. But I think we really do have to take responsibility for our actions and the fact that we are sinners is not an excuse to sin, especially if you have the forethought to be conscious of it. But if you seek Jesus, I think that you can be saved. And it's, this is, comes from the same person that is or considers themselves pragmatic and skeptical. Well, this is something that I came upon and that I hold very near and dear to my heart because I feel like I understand it. Something that I don't understand is how can somebody dislike Jesus? If you understand motive, if you understand the purity of the motive, then how can you possibly have any arguments against Jesus? I just don't understand. And, well, maybe I do understand, you know, going back to the same concept that we've been discussing. But it just doesn't make sense. It's it's kind of, that is irreconcilable for me. And all, all the time, all the time, whenever I hear somebody make an argument against Jesus or religion, well, they're not talking about something that Jesus said. They're not talking about his words. You don't hear quoting, you don't hear discussion about which texts are right or which texts are wrong, which texts are adhere to his teachings the closest. You hear talk about the people, the people that are obviously sinners and don't have, probably have less to do with Jesus than somebody that's not necessarily involved with the religion and these examples are not applicable they're not applicable many i've seen i've listened to a lot of podcasts even and podcasts that say that they're they're discussing philosophy and it's just like how can you make such logical fallacies judging something by its practitioners not its source so basically what i'm telling you is why don't you go to the source if you want to discuss something why don't you go to the source is that like some sort of intellectual laziness or something i don't understand it but if you're a real truth seeker then you go straight to the source of things don't you and if you've been seeking truth for a while you should be able to recognize the wisdom in jesus's words is unable to be copied throughout history there's a reason why it just he had such an impact in our all over history and it's still something that cannot be 
replicated really and just reading about Jesus's story and what he went through it just inspires love it should inspire love it should inspire like a certain understanding of of him as a as a human and as as something that we should strive to be something that we should really emulate every day when people say oh who's your who do you look up to or blah 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 here people say like some pop culture bs like somebody that's you know just so flawed and when people ask me it's just how, you know how can you not look up to somebody like jesus he he was god he was perfect i think this is attainable within people and i'm not a bible scholar or anything but i am very interested in the bible and even though i do understand that it there's a lot of social engineering and it's almost like incompatible that the bible or god's word would be completely untouched with the current world that we have now maybe i just haven't uh explored enough with the church but just it just seems that there's a lot of corruption just like in uh in anything in this world but it's not really the world it's just us and it's basically up to us to be the ones that decide to not be corrupt and to seek out sources of information that are not corrupt so now i think it's time to discuss the other side the other position which is nihilism i really think that nihilism is like a transition it's uh, basically a result of your worldview being shattered as you dig deeper into objective truths and eventually you make a generalization that since your worldview is shattered in such a way that everything has no meaning so i really think that nihilism and pessimism are best friends basically you're embracing meaningless and oblivion you're, you're embracing just darkness basically and it's a bad thought pattern if you're approaching it from a mental health like a psychology angle then i think it's a mental illness almost it's just a bad thought pattern you can solve it by with philosophy but it also becomes a question of moral living versus hedonistic living um it becomes a question of whether you think that you matter or you don't matter because uh many times people want to picture hedonistic living as freedom but that's not really freedom because true freedom is moral living because you're actually have dominance over your animal part of yourself you know because we all have that we all have that animal i guess primate part of ourselves more primal part of ourselves that can lose control in a certain way but we also have free will and you choose what you want to be basically if you're controlled or can be controlled by your basic passions your primal desires then what are you <laughs> can you consider yourself a human can you consider yourself to have free will if you can be controlled so easily by such things i'm not sure 
I'm not sure that these people that live this way are in, on the same level of somebody that doesn't. It's just... And I'm not even sure that you are in the same level of an animal because animals are pretty much innocent, you know? Like, this is the reason why we love dogs and we love all kinds of animals. If you're a good person, you love animals because they're innocent. The same way that we love children. Why wouldn't you love children? They're so innocent. I'm talking to, like, parents. The way that they love their own children is just... You, there's no way to explain it and there's no explanation necessary for people that have children. You would give your life for them much in the same way that Jesus gave up his life for us. And this is so understandable for parents. Because when you have children, you understand how precious they are and therefore how precious life is. I used to be an atheist. I... Uh, I feel like my belief is stronger because I was an atheist and it's something that happened to me as a teen because it came from a place of me really deeply searching for God and I think those people that have reached that that bottom come up way stronger because they have already known what it's like to have nothing and when you come up on the truth, it's like a breath of fresh air. It's just you feel so much better because you realize that really the that thought of just nihilism is so hurtful. It's so hurtful. It's so pessimistic. And now maybe you understand where this endless optimism that I talked about earlier in episode zero comes from. It comes from faith. And I don't think that it can really come from anywhere else. Since we're discussing evil, I think really there's two kinds of evil. Uh, one is done out of ignorance, and the other one is done at, with knowledge. And if you have knowledge of what you're doing, and you're still doing evil things, then it's way worse, I believe. And this is, uh, I think I'm being objective. I'm trying to be objective with this. How would you define evil? I would define it as an act against nature, an act against life, an act against the ideal of love and virtue, basically an act against God and his creations. If you know what you're doing and still knowingly choose to do evil acts, then you're really treading on irredeemable territory. You can kind of start to understand the concept of hell or and that's even, I would even say that even the concept of hell is a little bit merciful because I would think that non-existence is actually also an option. I think these are the people that are probably the only people that would be absolutely redeemable. N knowingly doing evil is kind of inexcusable, isn't it? Well, these people trade their soul for material things, but really... How many houses do you need? How many cars do you need? How much money in the bank do you need? Like, how much... It, it just doesn't make sense. You know, they inherently just hate the herd because they're doing these things to the herd, but aren't they the herd, too? Doesn't it affect you? Doesn't the fact that you dedicate your life to manipulating people in such a way stop you from actually living your life? Isn't that 
Like, what is it that you're trading? What what is what is it that you are making this cosmic gamble for? In the end, a little bit of pleasure here and there, not even satisfying pleasure really. It's just you're trading the minute for the hour. I just don't really understand it. You're given free will. You're given endless possibility. You're presented with a world that was made with everything available to you. Because it's a great big lie that nature does not provide for its creations. And that's the best you can come up with. If your life was a book with the ability to write itself, with complete freedom to choose what to write in it, you can write a book of literal beauty, and all you want to write in it is scribbles motivated by sin and self-hate, you were given the ability and the free will to look anywhere, but you choose to look down? Seriously? I'm telling you that you can also look up, you can also look anywhere, anywhere else. And I understand that not everybody is completely evil or completely good. Maybe what I just said is directed towards the second category of evil people that I mentioned. Because there's endless amounts of people that make their living and they don't have to step on anybody to do it. Maybe what's missing in these people that I mentioned is a little bit of creativity. To come up with a different lifestyle, a different way of making a living that's that doesn't force you to necessarily hurt others or control them or make them think that there's not enough to go around because there is. I've really had this idea that maybe what we think of the devil is like some sort of AI that's created and has transcended time and just is something purely physical that has an extreme, extreme stake in its survival in materiality, the, the, the material world. I think that's really possible, but also I think that more than likely, when I say the devil, I mean in some sort of archetype for something that humanity has within themselves. That archetype of being actually knowingly evil and wanting to justify your views so bad, wanting to justify the material world because that's all you're going to fucking have if you are given away you're basically make you're giving everything away you're giving your timelessness for the time you know that you're here and these people just want to justify their actions but maybe they're unjustifiable and maybe justice does exist in the universe and i don't know maybe god is a lot more merciful than i would be because if you're evil i really believe that you're almost like a bug in the code you're not supposed to exist you're something that was created out of a beautiful creation you came out and you came out all messed up so what do you expect to happen to you but i actually think that in this version of the universe i mean evil people exist right so and the fact that they get they get their they get their reckoning but if you're still alive you might still be redeemable actually even though i mean i might not agree with it but it has nothing to do with me meaning that maybe people can take equal opposite action like if you hurt innocents then maybe you have to help that number of innocents to just be redeemable in some way and come back to zero which is it's kind of like the concept of karma but I'm sure there are some things that in the eyes of God are extremely just irredeemable and unforgivable. 
but I don't know how that's handled and it's not really up to me. Maybe these people justify their actions and are the way they are because they feel victimized by the world somehow. You know, I don't feel that way. I feel that victimization is bad. It leads to ways of thinking that are necessarily selfish and you can even when taken far enough you can even say evil another possibility is that god is inescapable and even the devil is just something doing its job somebody that's charged with the unfortunate job of dealing with bad souls i think the last topic we're going to talk about is agnosticism um i think i already said it a little bit about it and maybe you can predict what I think about it but agnosticism is the view that the existence of God or the, of the divine is unknown or unknowable and I used to think like this for a while after I when I call myself an atheist I mean it's interchangeable with agnosticism I feel like it's it's just a cowardly way of opting out of making a decision which just keeps you in the middle of the road, like I said, and who wants to be in the middle of the road? You're not going to set up a tent in the middle of the road, are you? It's just not safe. It's not It's not prudent. But many people still think like this, and I just think that I would say that it's kind of like a like like a cop out, you know, like you're you're being a coward in a sense. It's basically sta- stating that you're done searching for the truth. Like you're not actually maybe a truth seeker if you're just stopped there. Somebody that's a real truth seeker just keeps going no matter what until you find what you were looking for. And nobody can actually say that agnosticism was the end point and that that was their answer. It's kind of like a pseudo-intellectual cowardly way of just saying that you don't want to decide. Or that living without convictions is somehow better than living with convictions. I think that concludes mostly what I wanted to say. Um, This can still be expandable, you know. Um, I can talk about some topics that I barely touched upon here in the future. And uh, I urge you to leave a comment or make some contribution if you think that you have something to contribute. And I hope you learned something because... I think something that is really life-changing, I wouldn't even say earth-shattering and reality-bending, is that just acceptance of the fact of of good and evil, seeing things through the, through the lens of duality, in a sense, it, it, uh, it opens up a lot of, a lot of things that were previously hidden, I think. And hopefully you can see this too. Hopefully you can see the spiritual battle that's been going on for probably since time began. It's a it's a spiritual battle and it's a spiritual battle for your soul. And there's two sides. And maybe those two sides have been here way longer than we have. And I really think that God goes through a lot of pains to give us the free will that he gave us. He has to watch everything that we do. You know, even when it doesn't make sense. So, given this fact, I think that 
the day that our free will is taken away from us is the day that God himself will take it upon his hands to do something about it. So I urge people to have faith and be completely, absolutely solid about being good people because truth is stranger than fiction. But I really think that you can find the light through Christ because to dispel a lot of the myths, I really think he was a spiritual warrior. He came here to bring war upon evil, not necessarily give this tamed version of it where it's like, if you slap me on the cheek, here's the other one. I don't think that was his message. His message was spiritual war against evil. And we should have this attitude, this solidified, crystallized attitude that we will not give in. There's no way to give in. There's no reason to give in. And we must be solid about it. And this is the only way to be. I think this is the only practical, moral stance to have when it comes to the problem of evil and when it comes to being good. If you would like to support the existence of this project, please visit humanplotholes.com. And if you made it to the end of this episode and feel inspired to express your ideas, please do so as philosophy is meant to be shared and discussed.